Hello and welcome to the show and an episode where we ask, do you have product message fit? Speaking of products and messages, this episode is sponsored by Product People. Now, if you're a company founder or product leader who needs to get a product management team up and running quickly or cover parental leave, check out Product People. They've got a thriving community and 40 in-house product managers, product ops pros and product leaders. They onboard fast, align teams and deliver outcomes. You can check out onenightinproduct.com slash productpeople to book a free intro chat and quote code OKIP to get a 5% discount. That's onenightinproduct.com slash productpeople. You can check the show notes for more details. Now, despite what some people might say, you do need to put some thought into how your product gets out to market, what you say about it, how you position it and much more. So if you want to find out more about how you might put a strategy behind this stuff and what might go wrong if you don't, stick with us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Diane Riverdew. Diane's a location-independent former translator and current wordsmith and marketing guru who says she hates it when people applaud when the plane lands. Diane started out working with a Tyrannosaurus Rex at the Natural History Museum, but she's now trying to make bad brand messaging extinct and mounting companies' failed messaging strategies as display pieces in cabinets with cautionary signs for future generations of SaaS marketers. She's doing this with her own firm, Lion Words, and says it's time for you to stop sounding like everyone else. Hi, Diane. How are you tonight? Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the best intro I think I've ever received on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That was brilliant. There you go. And I was just thinking, actually, that if you... (laughs) If you hate people applauding when the plane lands, you should absolutely fly with Tyrannosaurus Rexes because they are unable to applaud, right? So. <laughs> oh, oh God. The dad jokes are coming in. <laughs> exactly. I, I might cut that bit out. So the most important question first, you call yourself location independent, and I know you don't like the term digital nomad, so shouldn't have said that, I guess. But where are you currently at right now? And did people applaud when you landed? <laughs> so... Yes, I'm, a, I'm kind of a bit all over the place, actually. We're, as we're recording this, I'm currently in Mexico City. Uh, I've been here for a couple of months, but I'm usually based out of Barcelona. But I've also kind of lived in Portugal, lived in Italy, um, the UK. So yeah, kind of dusted around a little bit, uh, making the most of remote work and really just needing a strong Wi-Fi connection to be able to do what I do. <laughs> there you go. But do you work then with people in those countries or do you do a lot of remote work internationally and kind of just where you are is where you are, but you're operating with the same people. You're not like taking your, you know, sort of setting up stall wherever it is that the people are that you want to work with. Yeah, no, no. Everything that I do is online, right? So I work with clients who are based in the US from the East to the West Coast in all across Europe. I've worked with clients based in, you know, London to Amsterdam to, you know, Berlin. So it doesn't really matter. Most of the work that we do will be using the beauty of Zoom and Google Meet. <laughs> and uh, everything's done digitally. Yes, yeah, so I can I can be wherever. All right. Well, you're talking about the work, but we haven't really said what you do yet, aside from the snappy intro. So you're the founder at Lion Words. So what problem does Lion Words solve for me or for people like me? Yeah, so I am the, the founder of Lion Words, and I'm a brand messaging strategist. So Lion Words basically helps scaling B2B SaaS and digital service companies simplify their messaging, um, helps them really attract more perfect fit customers and essentially get better results from their, from their marketing. So yeah, I, I work mostly with founders, small marketing teams, helping them really get clear on their messaging, their positioning, their differentiation, how to talk about what they do and how they sound. And then all of that work really kind of sets the foundation for strong and effective copy. 
so that you can use that to kind of keep growing the business and keep growing their team. Oh, sounds good. But you kind of touched on it there. You mainly focus then on sort of startups, little scrappy startups that don't really know what they're doing yet. Or you also, or do you also have like a lumbering corporate play where you can go in there and help them know what they're doing, which they should know what they're doing, but they don't yet? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I would say I work mostly with kind of growth stage startups, right? So when you're very early on in that scrappy stage that you're talking about, you don't usually have a need for me or you haven't realized that you have a need for me. (laughs) You probably do. I could definitely come in and help you, but you're not ready for that. So uh, the growth stage really when you kind of, you've got, uh, let's say you've already got at least a small or small marketing team. Um, I mean, I've also worked with enterprise companies as well. So it's not necessarily related to, you know, your annual recurring revenue or your team size. It's really often are you going through uh, a shift? Do you have you kind of outgrown your messaging? Um, and so, you know, at any point when there's kind of a change happening, I can come in and really help companies kind of get a grip on their messaging and, and refresh that. Oh, absolutely. But I was looking on Fiverr earlier and saw people offering to do like strategy work, brand strategy work, product strategy work for quite small amounts of money, guaranteed 10 day delivery, up to two revisions, and then you're done. Is that the sort of thing that you're up to or are you more of an ongoing relationship type of company and kind of get in there and then keep with them? Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I've ever heard <laughs> of, of uh, strategists <laughs> coming in and telling you that they can kind of help you with a couple of days and, you know, bish, bash, bosh. So yeah, good, <laughs> good luck with those. <laughs> no, so, you know, you asked me about whether I kind of come in and work kind of one-off or whether it's really ongoing work. The thing with messaging is it's really hard to see the label when you're stuck inside the jar, right? So for internal teams, product teams, founders, marketing managers, they have this curse of being really too close to their product. <laughs> so it's almost <laughs> like you know everything that you just can't see the reality. So the beauty of my work is that I come in and I bring an external perspective. Yeah. So I come in to a company and I can help them, you know, simplify things that have become complex, you know, really complex product messaging problems that shouldn't be hard, but are, and really help companies kind of get out of their head. So because of that, that's something that only happens once, right? You can only bring a, a new, fresh external perspective once, because then by the end of the project, I'm pretty much like the rest of the people who are in the company and I know everything. (laughs) So the way that I do work is that I do work on a one-off basis. I work on project basis with companies. I come in, we have an engagement that varies. It can be six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. We come in, we do the job, we deliver it, and then I kind of get out. Then I do continue to support those companies in, in certain ways, but it's not the same messaging strategy project. That's really just the kind of the one-off. You're only as good as your first gig right after <laughs> that. You're just old hat, like you say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it works for me and it works for my clients, right? Because I think, yeah, you know, there are so many teams that companies are working with. Okay, they've got their, their SEO agency, they've got their PR agency, they've got their marketing agency. They're forcing them into these 12-month chainers. And I'm not because we don't, need, we don't need that. We need to come in, we need to fix a problem. Yeah. We fix it and, you know, we might need to fix it again in six months or in 12 months, but we do it, we do it once. Yeah, come back for the next pivot, right? Exactly. But you were working as a translator before this, as well as a bunch of business roles in translation firms as well. So you've obviously got a talent with and an interest in the power of words. But what was it that got you into starting your own consultancy doing this sort of thing in the first place? 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. My, I have a, a, a severe, I guess, passion for words, for communication. <laughs> you know, I really, truly do believe in, in the power of words. And that's why, you know, I, I studied languages, I studied translation, and I worked in uh, translation and communication roles for such a long period of time. And it's really that work and all of those studies that inform the work that I do currently. But I shifted from uh, translation to copywriting and focusing on co- conversion copywriting um, pretty much just after the, the pandemic. I was a classic pandemic pivot case, I think, <laughs> like many, many other people out there. And when I was working you know, closely with founders, uh, with CMOs and, and marketing teams, I realized that all of the, that upfront work, um, all of those questions that any great copywriter worth their salt will ask you about what makes you different? Talk to me about your, your customers, your customer journey. Why do you do what you do? All of that, that, that real, yeah, the foundational stuff that you need to know to write copy, clients really struggled with. Yeah. And at, that was the bit that I actually enjoyed the most. And that kind of branched off into its own service, which obviously became messaging strategy. Because really what I started to see was companies didn't have that foundational work. They were coming and asking for help with copy. You know, we want to rewrite our homepage or we want you to help refresh our copy. And what I realized was, no, what you actually need is messaging. You need a messaging strategy first so that we can give then, go and then build out that copy. Uh, that makes sense. But let's talk about messaging then. Yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> so, so you say that the success of your product hinges on your messaging. And obviously, you just touched on that as well. But just for the record, how are you specifically defining messaging? And what is part of messaging and part of that strategy? So I, th- I think the simplest way to define messaging is that messaging is what you say about your product, your service, your solution, whatever. And then copywriting is really how you say that. Yeah. Because I do think there's quite a lot of confusion between messaging, copywriting. Messaging is becoming a bit more trendy, a bit more sexy <laughs> as a topic. <laughs> you know, depending on which which circles you uh, you know you hang out in, particularly in the B two B SaaS world. You know, there's this awakening of what messaging is. Yeah. But messaging, I'd say, is, is the foundation, right? So it's the foundation for to get that strong, effective copywriting. And messaging is really based on and informed by your unique positioning in the market, your mission and values and vision as a company, as well as uh, your, who your ideal customers are. So all of those things are really going to inform how you kind of create that messaging. And messaging is really all about kind of identifying the most essential things about your product and why that matters to your audience. Once you have that, once you have a, your core messaging, that can be told in different ways, depending on the channel, depending on the audience and depending on whatever it is. And that's where copywriting really brings your messaging to life. No, absolutely. Because when I'm thinking about messaging, obviously, there's what you just said, which I completely agree with. And then I'm starting to think about almost like things like style guides and like the different almost like the personality that you want your brand to have and the voice and then the types of things that you would and wouldn't say about it. Is it that prescriptive or is it more high level than that? Yeah. So what you've just touched on there is really what I would call brand voice. So, you know, your brand voice or just voice. And for me, I think that makes up one piece of the whole messaging strategy. It's something that depending on the kind of project that I work on, depending on my clients, depending on how much help they need with that, Sometimes I work with clients who have a very clear and strong voice that they've worked on with someone else, with another expert. So really, we're, we're fine there. 
and other clients who actually have no idea. And as part of the work that we do, they actually help them build out a brand voice that's going to support them as a company and it's going to support their product and actually help them connect with their customers better. I think I'm quite lucky in that sense that I kind of enjoy and cover all those areas from kind of copy to the messaging to brand voice. But it isn't one or the other, right? Brand voice is one small piece. Messaging itself, we're talking about what is it that you offer? What makes you different? How can we express that in some key themes, key pillars, so that you can actually connect with your customers? And then brand voice is another element of how we can say that, right? So certain certain brands and certain companies, perhaps you need to take a bit more of a formal tone or some uh, companies really want to make a, a real stance with their, with their tone of voice and they want to alienate certain customers. And that's something that you can focus on, but it's different pieces of, of the same puzzle. Yeah, that makes sense. But then when you talk about positioning, obviously, when it comes to positioning, I'm going to think of people like April Dunford and all the yeah. work that she's done with the yeah, obviously awesome and, and that side of things and trying to make you get that position in the first place. Like, is that something that you do yourself? Or do you need someone to come and do that positioning work first and then bring you their kind of candidate positioning that you can then work with them on? Like how far up that funnel, for want of a better word, do you get? Yeah, I think I work in a little bit of a gray area. My non-negotiables... <laughs> There's so many gray areas in marketing, right? I might as well just say, have brought a recording that says it depends to this podcast. <laughs> oh, that would fit with a product management podcast as well. So that's all cool. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So this, is, this answer is obviously particularly about the way that I work. And I know that other messaging strategists, other positioning consultants and different agencies will work in a different way. My non-negotiables are that you have a clear product to market fit before we come and work together. I'm not going to come in and help you you know, define what it is that you do and who for. You need to have a clear grasp on who your customers are and you need to have a clear grasp on where you sit in the market. If you can't answer those basic questions in the beginning, we're going to have a really tough time and it's going to be a completely <laughs> different project. Now... You've just knocked out like 50% of startups though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, so hang on, hang on. Now, that's not <laughs> to say that we can't refine it and as part of the the of any messaging strategy work, you're going to be going out and interviewing customers, getting feedback, looking at your competitors, doing competitive market research. I mean, all of that might shift what you initially thought, but I need I need to work with people who have at least a grasp of what they what they think it is, and then we can refine that. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, well, maybe we're knocking out thirty percent of startups. And yeah, that's you know. fine, and that's fine. <laughs> I can't help everyone. <laughs> uh, there you go. But some people on the socials might and basically do sit there and say, you just need to build it and they're going to come. And that marketing and sales and all of this commercial stuff is just nonsense and that products should just do all the work and all of that jazz. Now, are you seriously saying to those people that we can't just make cool products that sell themselves? I wish we could just make cool products that <laughs> sell themselves. I think that's that's the old playbook, right? Maybe we're one where we weren't competing against hundreds or thousands of other similar solutions. To be honest, actually, I don't even think there ever was a time that you could just build something cool and it would uh, sell itself. You know, marketing, we've always needed marketing, build it and they'll come, no longer works. You know, from my perspective, and I think, thankfully, many more companies, particularly in the B2B SaaS space, are starting to realize that you can have the coolest product on earth the most useful thing for your ideal clients and they still won't buy it unless you show them or prove to them that it matters to them and you know 
one of the most obvious and clearest ways to do that is through your messaging. So messaging is really, really powerful for helping you get through and connect with the right people and just really kind of create the foundation for so many other things, create that brand awareness, create a community, a following. It all comes down to how you articulate the the value of your product. So yeah, sorry, build it and they'll come. doesn't work. <laughs> sorry, uh, Twitter tech bros, but unfortunately you do still need to be able to actually market this stuff to get it out there. <laughs> but surely there are products out there with rubbish messaging that still do okay. Have you seen any examples of that? And if you have, what's the secret? I mean, definitely. (laughs) There are definitely products with very mediocre to bad messaging that still do okay. I see it every day. But not every company wants to do okay. I think no company wants to do okay. They want to be the biggest player. They want to be the best. You know, the thing is that a great product can get you to a certain level, but it can only get you so far. So I also don't want to bash, completely bash average messaging. Oh, I come do on, think... let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, hang on, scrap that. No, I mean, what I want to say is that I think in the beginning stages of any product lifecycle of any launch, messaging is always going to start off okay, mediocre. There's probably going to be a lot of testing, probably founders working on messaging, DIY and copy pasting, all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want to bash anyone who is starting. I know you probably have a wide range of listeners from like enterprise all the way down to you know early stage founders. And we love them all. Exactly. So if you're at the beginning phase, fine, right? But as you grow, with that old, old way doesn't really serve you, right? So you outgrow your messaging. And that's really where you kind of need to, to step it up. But yeah, unfortunately, the biggest and best companies out there all still do make mistakes with their, their messaging. And you know there are a lot of telltale signs. <laughs> about kind of bad messaging as well. <laughs> but I was just thinking then, as you were saying that, like, obviously, everyone's trying to do everything on the cheap these days as much as possible, be as scrappy as they can. And there's a bunch of great AI tools out there these days that can apparently write copy for you. So do you think that there's going to come a time where people can just put some kind of vague set of words into some kind of AI tool, and it's going to come out of a wonderfully crafted everything? Or do you think you're always going to need people like you to actually do a good job of it? You know, the thing is, AI is a great tool, I think, for really getting you started. It's a great tool for brainstorming and it can produce some pretty decent, maybe kind of long form content. When it comes to messaging, like we, we just spoke about what messaging is the basis of. Yeah. Messaging is informed by who you are as a company, your mission, your vision, all of that kind of stuff. Unless you can input <laughs> all of that into AI, which I don't think you can. It won't take that on board. It also takes into consideration your customers, you know, what they think, what they feel about your product. All of that feedback, again, can't be <laughs> taken on by AI. So, you know, I'm not worried about that because, you know, messaging is really strategic work and strategic re- work requires a lot of, a lot of thinking. Yeah. Looking at a lot of different points of data, pulling those together, looking for patterns and then looking at what you can do differently to make sure that you stand out from everyone else. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're we're safe from Skynet for now. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as you're concerned, then, what are some of the core principles, concepts or measures of a successful messaging strategy? Yes, I think successful messaging looks different for each company. But there are a few things that it should always have in common. One thing is clarity. And you probably hear this all the time. And it, it almost sounds like a cop-out that I'm saying clarity, but it is so, <laughs> it's so important 
And there are so many big companies out there who do not pass the clarity test, and you'll be really surprised. And again, it's that syndrome of we're too close to it. We know everything about our product and we think everyone else does. Messaging needs to be super clear. When I land on you know, any asset, I'm talking about a website because that's often the place that people go to first. But if I interact with your company at any point, I should know and have no doubt who you are, what you do, and why I should care about it as well. So I don't just mean a clarity of you know, what your product offers, but then taking it to that next level of like, who is this for and why should I care? So that's my absolute, you know, number one. If every single company out there did uh, just a clarity test, like an audit for clarity, the world would be a better place. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the second thing is really that your messaging should be easy to understand. Easy to understand and easy to remember, really. You know, one of the things that, that companies often get wrong is really trying to say too much. Trying to say too much at the same time, bombarding people with so many messages and, you know, I always say that confused prospects don't buy. So, you know, creating messaging that's easy to understand, easy to remember is about highlighting the most important things that you deliver because no one can hold 10 messages in their brain at any one time. I can't remember, <laughs> you know, the four things that I wanted to buy in the supermarket, you know, by the time I walk through the front door, but you want me to remember the seven top features of your product within two seconds. It's not going to work. Yeah. So really simplifying things. And then I think the other core concept, I guess, of successful messaging is making sure that it's really relevant. And that's where, you know, our best friend research and customer research <laughs> comes into play because strong messaging really needs to be created around like the needs of your audience based on customer research using uh, I, one of the things that I, I do as a non-negotiable part of my process is voice of customer. And, you know, the output is always informed by what your current customers have, have said. So yeah, so I think really clear, easy to understand and relevant. Yeah, I'm just thinking of some of those maybe people that would have said earlier that before we told them otherwise that they could just build it and that they would come. This kind of tech first, all you need is tech, all you need is product, don't need any marketing or anything like that, that some of these people tend to get caught in a trap of putting too much of their actual technical solution into the messaging as well. Like, oh, great. Yeah, we've got the, I don't know. Web3 or blockchain, I mean, that's an easy example to kick in the face, I guess. But like all these people that just sort of sit there and lead with how they do it rather than what they do, which I think to me feels like a really awkward position to be in because in many ways, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that your customers, aside from maybe Web3 customers, don't really care how it's being done. They care what's being done, right? Exactly. And I mean, you know, you, you touch on this about, you know, these product people who, you know, build a product and hope that, you know, it's just a cool product that solves a problem and people will come. You know, that's an incredibly important... That's like phase one. It's almost like I'm assuming that you have an awesome product because there are many <laughs> things that messaging can do. It's interesting. I wrote a LinkedIn post about this today that, you know, messaging can help you do X, Y, Z. It can help you stand out from uh, the competition. It can help you assert your positioning. It can help you shorten lengthy sales cycles. There's so many things that strong messaging can help you do but it can't save you from a crappy product, right? So you do have to have an awesome product to begin with. But I really don't want it to sound like I have just been trashing the, the idea of having an awesome product. That is absolutely the basis of everything else. But when we've got that, then what we need to do is make sure that everyone knows about how awesome your product is. And we can't do that just by talking about your product features. We need to do that in a way that is much more holistic and that speaks to people in the way that they actually engage with companies. Uh, absolutely. But I've seen you talk about your raw framework. Now, obviously, lion words, 
Lion reference. Roaring is definitely on brand for you. Mentioned it to the kids before this call and they actually <laughs> love the concept. So you've got some, got some cool points there and maybe some merchandising ideas as well. But if we talk then briefly about the raw framework and how this helps you to get some of this stuff right. So there's four elements, I believe. Yes. The first being research. So talk to me a little bit about the research that you do then to help people get this right. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, RAW is my four-step process, four-step framework that I follow on any messaging engagement um, to really kind of help me kind of uncover those like messages that will actually resonate. So as you said, it's R-O-A-R, research, opportunity, assembly, and review. Yeah. Now, the first part that you said is is research and research is probably like 70, 70 plus percent of like the whole project. So this is really the, the meaty phase, um, research and discovery. So that includes uh, strategy sessions from the beginning to really unpack, you know, what challenges we're facing, what goals we're going after. There's a lot of studying the customer journey. I really need to come in and now understand your product inside out, understand your current marketing strategy, what's going right, what's going wrong. We'll do a lot of evaluating just the entire business ecosystem pretty much and evaluating the competitive landscape as well to see where you sit in the market and, and kind of what you're up against. And also reviewing a lot of your existing materials, existing assets, and, and pretty much just getting that, that full scope of what are we doing and where are we? And then the biggest piece or the, the final step that's really important to kind of close off that research phase is customer research. So my goal there is really getting into the minds of your customers and performing that research specifically for the purpose of messaging, right? And I really, I want to point this out because on this particular podcast with product marketer, product managers, we perform customer research for many different purposes. And I'm not talking about the kind of customer research that's like, what's your favorite feature? I am talking about really getting deep into what was it that kind of stood out? Why, why did you pick us looking at some of those results that you've seen and, and really getting into the minds of your thought process um, and the buying process behind, behind your customers. So that's, that's the first R. Then we move into O, which is opportunity. So looking for opportunities, this is really the kind of strategy stage. So this is where all of that like lovely research and discovery work we've done, we start to unpack. So unpack all the data, synthesize uh, data from, from interviews, from surveys, from all of the work that we've done and really start looking for patterns. And it's where I start to kind of develop a strategy based on those insights and the patterns that I found. Yeah, so A is assembly. So the reason I picked the word uh, assembly is that, you know, messaging similar to copywriting is not really linear. It's not something that you just kind of sit down and write. Yeah, Messaging is really like a jigsaw puzzle. And I think that, you know, it's you kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. So that's this stage. So we start the discussing, start iterating, creating messages, brainstorming, and really start putting together a brand messaging playbook, which is one of the outputs and the deliverables that I work on with clients. And then the last phase is R. So that's review, because within any part of marketing, it's never over, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we review, we test to see what resonates. And really, this is the phase where we kind of listen, learn, optimize review the messaging, refine the messaging. And yeah, and in this space, it's really just kind of about validating and, and optimizing whatever we've created to make sure that my clients get the biggest kind of ROI on the work that we do. And then the output of that is some kind of strategy document or template or pack or something like that that you share with your 
clients or like how does that then get turned into reality by them? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's a couple of different outputs from the work that I do. One of them is really not tangible because I think that the whole process in itself is already an output. You know, we're often working with founders, CMOs, marketing teams that one of the problems that they have is that we're not aligned or that they don't have a clear vision. And uh, part of the process is really getting everyone on board, bringing everyone's opinions together and kind of getting clarity. So usually that we've already kind of achieved that along the way. Yeah. And then, yeah, one of the, the actual kind of, you know, useful output is um, what I call a, br- a brand messaging playbook or messaging playbook, where we kind of document everything that we've worked on throughout the, the time together. Again, it varies very much depending on the clients that I work with. But we have the kind of full scale document. And then we also have like the real kind of one page strategy doc that is kind of brief and short and snappy for you know the <laughs> the founders that need to just absorb <laughs> and get on with it yeah you've got to have your tldr ready for them to take on and then they can read the other bits if they need to exactly but aside from someone like you going in and doing that with them which obviously in your case would be someone exactly like you who else from within the organization needs to get involved in this i mean you've talked about founders and there's marketing teams as well but I'm assuming that there are other stakeholders, other sort of cross-functional groups that may or may not to be involved in some or all of it. Which groups need to be there? Yeah, so the first person that we've touched on and the absolute non-negotiable for me, someone who should be involved in messaging work is the founder or the CEO. Yeah. Why is that? Because messaging is top-down, right? It's not just this, uh, you know, marketing, like a little sprinkle of marketing dust that we, you know, layer on. Messaging really <laughs> affects everyone. And like I said, messaging is informed by the, the mission, the vision of company, all of that kind of core work. And part of the work that we do is also looking at the, the strategic narrative of the company as well, which is going to inform a lot of the work that we do. So the CEO or the founder has to be involved in that. If they don't want to be involved, then I don't generally work on that because it's not going to be a project that's going to turn out well. Yeah, And then from then on, really, again, it can look different depending on the size of the company. But whoever is in charge of messaging <laughs> and marketing, that can look very different. Usually the CMO, head of marketing, I usually need to work with the people who have the knowledge of the customers and access to the customers. So whether that is a head of customer success or you know whoever that looks like. Again, depending on the function, it could be growth marketing and definitely product marketing as well. And what about the product management team, though? Like, is there anything that you need from the product management team? And again, not necessarily just you, but like when you're doing this kind of messaging strategy work, like how can the product team help with this stuff? Aside from building a great product, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I think, I mean, one of the key, one of the key things that, and again, I'm wary. I think you'll have a greater perspective of this than me, but I'm wary how... Oh, I wouldn't say that of the division of labor and the division of responsibilities. I know varies between companies, but the biggest support I think for any messaging project is going to be that feedback loop. I think that feedback loop between customers, between product marketing, and then between messaging, because that's it's really one of the, the, the foundational pieces of getting your messaging right is speaking to customers, understanding what they're saying, feeding that back to product marketing, to, to creating this messaging, and then continuing that loop so I think that's probably one of the, the most important elements. And then also just <laughs> making sure that they're aware of everything that's going on. And if 
the customer research is happening somewhere else, that that's also getting fed back to product because it's a two-way street, right? So, you know, that, that feedback about what's great about the product needs to inform the messaging. And then the messaging, um, what we're testing and putting out there also needs to be fed back to the product team. That uh, makes sense. And that obviously supposes that the product team get access to this customer insight themselves in the first place, which isn't a given. But obviously, if it is, then you know, we should all share, right? Exactly. But what are some early warning signs then of messaging going wrong? Like either because you need to update it or because you never did it properly in the first place? Like ways that you can identify when you might need to run a messaging exercise or a new or like a refresh or something like that? Like, Are there any kind of warning signs or signals that you can kind of used to identify that that's a problem? Yeah, I think a couple of key warning signs we probably touched on in terms of not good <laughs> messaging that's not great. So I'll touch on those briefly and then, and then you know, talk about something else. I think one of the first things to watch out for is if prospects are confused. <laughs> so again, that links back to what we mentioned <laughs> before about too many messages. Prospects don't really get what you do or uh, maybe they're coming onto demo calls thinking something else or, you know, there's clear confusion and there's different ways to see this along the buying journey. That means definitely there is something wrong with your messaging. So confused, not getting what you do. And then the clear quantitative, you know, not hitting certain KPIs, right? Yep. So you're, maybe you're not getting enough uh, leads and signups through. Then we know, okay, there's something going on with our messaging here. Obviously, that's the stage after that is the copy. But messaging as a kind of overall strategy it might be worth going in and really kind of looking at that. And I mean, I think the, the second thing to really watch out for, and that's rather than something to, to watch out for from the kind of customer side and the feedback is actually internally. And that is, are you going through some kind of shift? Because if you are going through some kind of shift internally, there's definitely going to be a need to shift your messaging to reflect that. So often it's that you, you know, let's say you've secured Series A funding, right? So that you've got to be pumping money into all aspects of the of the product and growing the team, etc. And you know, often your messaging needs to catch up with that. Or it might be that you actually need to get everyone up to speed. Or do, are we all speaking the same language? We're growing, our team is doubling in size, but then there's actually no cohesion between the teams. Perhaps it is that you are launching a new product or a new subset of a product. So any of those, any kind of big shift in, internally and any kind of big launch is really a good opportunity to revisit your messaging. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good advice to watch out for. But what's one thing, aside from hiring you, that a founder or head of marketing or someone that's responsible for this stuff could or should do today to check where they're at with their messaging and see if there is any work that they need to do or to maybe even try and improve it just a little bit without going through one of these processes? Is there any kind of snap advice that you could give anyone listening to this that's concerned about their messaging? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not, this is not going to be an answer that everyone's going to like. I don't think there is a super snappy way to go in and, and test your messaging simply because it's not, you know, just opinion based. It does have to be informed by your customers. So I think that the quickest way to go and do that is message testing. So actually to, you know, either to get a focus group yourself using different platforms like user testing or, there are other great tools like Winter, getting a, a, a panel of your, your customers and actually running messaging testing, getting a group of people to feedback based on 
your value prop based on some key messaging if they actually get what it is that you do, if it makes sense, and if it resonates with what they're looking for, what they believe and think about your product. And that's just a really simple and easy way to get started. And if that throws up some doubts, then you know <laughs> you've got uh, some, some work to do and it gives you a starting point of what to look for. Oh, well, there you go. Let's uh, make sure everyone does that. And it's almost like a messaging MOT that they can do in a reference that won't make sense to anyone that's not from the UK, but <laughs> you should probably do it anyway. Give yourself a check up, folks. And where can people find you after this if they want to chat more about getting their messaging right, the power of words, or maybe try and find out a bit what it's like to work with a T-Rex skeleton watching over you? <laughs> yeah, so you can find me at lionwords.com. So that's my website. You can find a little bit more information about the work that I do, a bit more about me and how, you know, my process and how everything works. Or you can also find me on LinkedIn. So I hang out quite often, way too often on LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> so, you know, connect with me over there, shoot me a DM. And I'm always posting things related to messaging, copy, marketing and strategy over there. So yeah, you can give me a follow. There you go. The University of LinkedIn will see you right. <laughs> Well, I'll make sure to link that all into the show notes and hopefully you'll get a few more people to roar at. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. So obviously really great. We had some time to share some words together. Uh, obviously, we'll stay in touch. But yeah, as for now, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com Check out some of my other fantastic guests, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favourite podcast app and make sure you share with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night.